Amen and amen and amen. Isn't God good? God is so good. This morning we are in 1 Kings chapter 19, and uh, we're going to continue on in our next level series. I'm excited about today because it's funny how God lines every single thing up and everything that Wesley said and everything that was said in our pre-service meeting and everything that I've heard is just backing up what God uh, has shown me to show you today. And I was, I was talking to Lance, our uh, drummer, earlier that I was beating my head against the desk trying to figure out what God wanted me to say. And sometimes it's like that. Sometimes, sometimes I can sit down and God gives me the word and, you know, I, I'll be meditating on that word throughout the week, but then he just he solidifies and he puts it in my head and I think, okay, God, I got you. And sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes I sit down and, and I try to figure out what he wants me to say and I have this picture in my mind. I don't know about you, but I'm a visual person. And God oftentimes talks to me through word pictures, and he puts things in my head, and, and I can actually see it in a form before I can ever put it in words on the paper. And so God's got this idea, and he's wanting me to take it in this direction, but I'm going, okay, God, but how do I explain that? Because that's the hardest thing. You know, I love to read the Bible. I love to study the Bible. And I, can, I can get into the, you know, commentaries and all this kind of stuff, but it's a whole different animal to take that word that God has given you and then properly give it to everybody so that they can enjoy it too and be built up, edified by it too. So I, th I was thankful that God finally put everything together for me. And I want to show you this word because this has actually been weighing on me for a little, little while, actually for about, um, I don't know, maybe 13 years. Because ever since I became a Christian, this has been a part of my life. And I thought that there was something wrong with me, Okay. But I've come to find out that there's not anything wrong with me. I'm just a human being. And what I'm talking about is, is the fact that, and we were talking about this the other night in, in our bucket group. What I'm talking about is the fact that, I don't know about you, but I seem to go from the mountain to the valley, to the mountain to the valley, to the mountain to the valley. Raise your hand if you go to the mountain to the valley. Mountain tops and valley bottoms. That's the name of today's sermon. And I don't know about you, but I've always thought I'm, there's something wrong with me. You see, after, even after I came to know Christ, I still experience these mountaintops and valley bottoms. I, I'm on the high one day, and I'll be for Christ, and I'll be doing good. And then the next day, it may be even if there's not, I've not even got any obvious sin in my life or anything that I can point to to say that caused this, that I find myself in the valley, and I'm just woe is me, I'm depressed, I'm feeling like I'm overwhelmed, I can't get away from it, no matter how much I, I sing a, a hymn or a praise song, or no matter how much music I listen to or Bible I read, it's just like, you know, there's nothing that can console me in those times, and I wonder, God, where are you, what's going on, have I done something wrong that you're punishing me right now from, by removing your presence from me? And I was reading this story of this Old Testament prophet. We're still on the prophet part of next level. And as I was reading about Elijah, the prophet, in 1 Kings chapter 19, I realized something. I realized suddenly, and I think that I've always known this, but I've never been able to wrap my mind around it, and I'm still trying to wrap my, my mind around it. Please understand that I don't stand up here because I know it all. I, I, I stand up here because I'm trying to learn along with you, okay? So we'll get into the Word of God, which is the great teacher, and ask the Holy Spirit to come and, and show us and reveal us some things. But some things did pop out at me, and I thought, you know what? That's amazing. I want to share that. I want to share that with you today. Before we do, let's, let's pray, and then, uh, then we'll get into the Word. Jesus, we call on the Holy Spirit to come and tear down those blinders to remove the scales from our eyes and the walls around our hearts that we might be supernaturally affected. God, I know that a lot of times we fall into this physical groove to where, you know, we go to church, we're supposed to lift our hands, so we'll lift our hands, but I pray, God, that today that we will be supernaturally affected. I mean supernaturally, and that means it's not of this world, God, but that it would be something pressing in on us from the outside. God, that it will be something tugging at our hearts, moving us and spurring us to new ways of thinking, to, do, to new depths of understanding, to new depths of peace and, and, and familiarity, familiarity with the scriptures and just different things, God, that we can say, hey, I saw God today. I felt God today. I was in the presence of God today. Jesus, send the Holy Spirit to do his thing. We pray that you would be magnified and glorified in this service. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we are in 1 Kings chapter 19. 
uh, verses 1 through 8. And I'll give you a little bit of context right after I read the verses, but um, I want to show you about Elijah and one of, the, one of the greatest stories in all of Scripture. We're going to actually be talking about right after that story, so I'll have to tell you the story a little bit just to give you a little bit of context. But what happens after that is really amazing to me, and I want to show you that today. Chapter 19. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then, he, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough! Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord, remember the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you to bear. Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you to bear. And he arose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the mount of God. Now, you need a little bit of context to figure out what's going on here. So when we open up that chapter, the first verse, it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. You see, right before that is one of the greatest stories ever told in the Old Testament, in the whole Bible. It's the story of Ahab, I mean, I'm sorry, Ahab was the king, but it's the story of Elijah, and when he came to the, the prophets of Baal, and they were, they, were, they were trying to test him. They were trying to come up against him and up against his God, and Elijah faced all of these false prophets, the whole world that was worshiping some kind of false god, the whole world that was going to attack him and kill him and murder him and hated his bloody guts because of the God that he served. You see, he was the only one standing for the one true God, the God of Israel, and there were many, 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 many prophets that were standing against him. How many of you at times feel like the whole entire world is against you? You know why? Because it is. Except for your brothers and sisters in Christ, the whole world is against you, and one day they will be pressing in on you, calling you a liar. You see, we need the truth of the gospel to set us free into the realm of reality that says Jesus Christ is all in all, through all, for all, and all belongs to him. You see, that puts you at odds with almost everybody else in the world because everybody says what? Oh, there's a bunch of different ways to get there. There's a bunch of different avenues of happiness and, and peace and wonderfulness. There's a whole bunch of different ways. But you see, Elijah stood alone and he proclaimed to all of these, these false prophets. There were 450 prophets of Baal and there were 400 other prophets of another God and there were other people that were around that were jeering at him and poking at him and he was the only one there. But then this great test came and Elijah, full of confidence and full of power, on the mountain, on the mountain of God with everything back in him, with fire in his bones, Elijah said, bring it on. Let's go. I'll take on the whole world. You know what it reminds me of? When I first became a Christian. How many of you, when you first became a Christian, you said, oh yeah, baby, this is it. This is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Nicaragua. I'm going to Brazil. I'm going to Guatemala. I'm going to change the world. Nothing can get at me. And you were on fire. You were, you were ready to go. You were excited. And then life happens. And you're like, oh, I'm a terrible person. Oh, poor pitiful me. And we see that with Elijah. He faces off against 850 prophets, 450 prophets from Baal, and he, and he, and he jeers them. He makes fun of them. 
Elijah makes fun of them. He says, all right, here you go, call out. They built this altar, and, 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 and they're calling out to their God, and it says, oh, we're not going to go into all of that. We're not going to read it, but it says that they were dancing around, cutting themselves, crying out to their God, please come, Baal, where are you, Baal? And he never came. He never burnt the offering. He never did anything. He never answered their prayers. He never answered them. You see, this world has nothing to offer. This world has nothing to offer, but they're continually in our face saying, you're wrong, we're right, but they're the ones dying and we're the ones alive. And so Elijah says, where's your God? Is he taking a nap? Did he go to the potty? I'm not even making this up. He's like, maybe your God's in the bathroom. Give him a second. Where is he? Where is your God? So they do their thing and they do their thing and nothing happens. And so Elijah calls out to his God. But before he does, you know what he does? He he says, fill up these water basins. Fill them up to the top. Fill them up four times. Fill them up. Drown this, this this altar. Drown it in water. And they poured water on it. And it was supposed to be licked up with fire. And they poured water on it, poured water on it until the water ran down and filled a trough that was around it. What's Elijah doing when he's saying this? He's saying, bring it. Bring it. You ever said that before? Don't ever say that in your entire life because he will bring it, and you will be sad that you said, bring it. So, but Elijah did, he said, bring it on, bring it on, and he called down the fire from heaven. You know what happened? Boom, and the whole thing burnt up, all the water dried up, it even licked all the water up out out of the trough that was around it, everything gone. And the people, hey, thanks. You guys are a blessing. Licked up all the water, burn it all up, nothing left. So Bell says, I mean, uh, Elijah says to the prophets of Bell, he says, and he looks at the soldiers that were around, he says, get these guys, bunch of suckers, kill them all. And they do. Kill them all with a sword. He's on this mountain. He just waged war with the world and won. And now we're here. I'll just do this as I go. You see, we get to this point in the story where Elijah has just been used by God to do something amazing. And I mean amazing. He just proved to the whole world just about at that time that his God was the one true God of Israel and everyone else will fall. And they will pay the ultimate price. And then there was a little, a little bit of something else that happened after that. He called down rain, and it hadn't rained in years, and it rained. So he's on fire. I mean, he's, he's literally, man, he's like, what's up? You know, let's get it done out here. And then it, we get here. And it says, Ahab, oh, just, just to give you this, it says right here, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel when he called down for the rain, okay? So he's on the mountain. I want to show you that you're not alone. You see, here he is up here, Mount Carmel, okay? And he's calling for rain, and it starts raining. I mean, how many of y'all walked outside and said, I wish it would rain, and it rained? I mean, this man is on fire for the Lord, isn't he? Says so on Mount Carmel. Okay, now, we see Ahab told Jezebel. Now, Ahab was a king. Ahab told Jezebel, and all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow, then he was afraid. Is this not the stupidest thing you've ever heard in your life? He just put to shame 450 prophets of Baal, killed every single one of them with the sword, called down rain from heaven. It, the fire came down, licked up all the water, all the sacrifice, then he called down rain and the rain came down, probably put the fire out and everything else drowned the land so that everything was prosperous again. And then one crazy nut woman said, I'm coming to get you, boy. And he's like, oh my God. That shows you two things. It shows you two things. Women are crazy and are to be feared. 
<laughs> Mark, you're gonna get beat when you get home. That wasn't the two things I was wanting to point out though. But this is the truth of scripture. I wanna show you something here. Number one, the greatest falls come from the highest peaks. The greatest falls come from the highest peaks. You see, you could play it safe and never put yourself out there for God. You see, Elijah could have never opened up his mouth. He could have never said, my God is greater. My God is greater. You know, he could have said, my, he could have never said that. He could have sat down and said, I ain't saying nothing. Man, these 450 problems, they might just put it on me. I'm not saying anything. What if it doesn't rain? I'm not gonna call for the rain. What if it doesn't rain? What do I look like then? I'm not gonna step out on faith. What if it doesn't work? Then what would I look like? What will I make my God look like? He could have played it safe and he could have never went up on the mountain. He could have just never went up here. He could have never went up here and risked falling all the way down this mountain and hitting on the bottom and really tearing his tail up because it hurts when you fall. Everybody's like, you scared of falling out of trees? I'm like, nah, I'm scared of landing. Falling's not bad, it's kinda actually fun for a split second. You see, he could have never went up there, but you know what? If he never went up here and he never experienced the opportunity to fall and the risk to fall and he just stayed even and he never went anywhere, you know what they call that? Oh, sorry. They call that a flat line. If you're gonna live, if you're gonna get out there and if you're gonna be used by God, then you're gonna take a risk in going up on the mountain. And if you never fall off the mountain, then you were never on the mountain. God is calling you to step out. So many of us wanna play it safe. And there's so many sinners in the room that say, I'm not good enough to come to Jesus. I know you're not good enough to come to Jesus because I ain't and he ain't and she ain't, nobody is. But let me tell you right now, if you play it safe and you say, well, I'm just gonna be humble and I'm not good enough to go to church and I'm not good enough to do this and I'm not good enough to do that, then you're fine. You're gonna just live a, an average ho-hum life and you're gonna stay down here in the gutter and you're never gonna be used and, and you can think, oh, poor pitiful me and you're never gonna do anything, but if you will take a chance and if you will trust God to do what God said that he would do and if you will say, Jesus, I know I'm down here, I can't get up here, but if you will come to me and if you'll take me up here on this mountain, I'll go up here and I'll stand up there, I'll speak up there, I'll speak my mind, I'll put it out there, I'll give, and when I fall, I'll fall for you. How many of you are willing to fall for Jesus? How many of you are willing to lay your own sin out there on the altar and say, God, this is, I am broken, God. I am broken, but I trust you. Take my sin and do with it what you may, I'm yours. You see, it takes a lot of courage to admit that you're a sinner and you're not worthy. You know how much courage it takes? I saw a little girl, I don't know if she's here today, I saw a little girl in front of about 3,000 people say, I'll accept Christ. You know how much courage that took? Do you know how much courage that took? And we wanna stand outside the church and we'll say, I'm not good enough. Of course you're not good enough. This is a silly argument. But God is willing to lift you up out of the not good enough and seat you in the heavenly places if you'll only trust him with your life. You see, the task is to find God in the mountain and the valley. The task is to find God in the mountain and in the valley. You see, so many times we put ourselves out there when we go on the valley, this is, this, and I'll speak for me, and I think this is true of us all. I'll get on a roll, a roll, I don't even know if that's the right terminology, but it's how I word it in my head. I'll get on a roll, I'll be, I'll be in my Bible, and I'll be praying, and I'll be consistent, and I'll be faithful, and I'll get pumped up, and I'll get fired up, and I'll say, Lord, let's go change the world. And I'll get out there, Heath, and I'll start doing what I need. I'll roll up my sleeves just like right now. I'll get out there, and I'll, I'll put myself out there, and I'll pour myself out only to find myself flat down, face down, about to die. 
And I'm wondering, what's going on with me, God? Is there something wrong with me? I should have been stronger. My faith should have lasted. Wesley and I was talking about Peter when he got out of the boat the other day. Everybody gives Peter a hard time because Peter started sinking because he took his eyes off of Jesus. You know what? He was the only one willing to get out of the boat. Huh? All the other ones, Wesley, I'm not going to steal your sermon. Wesley's going to preach that sermon one day. I won't steal it, but I thought that was good, so I stole that part. Everybody gives Peter a hard time, but you know the only reason he started sinking is because he was walking on the water. Huh? He was walking on the water. Yeah, you might sink, but you get to walk on the water. Let's get out of the boat. You see, the bottom line is, is that you gotta find God in the mountain and in the valley. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we think that God, it's God's fault that we're in the valley. We think that we're in the valley because he's mad at us. And so a lot of the times we give ourselves down the road because we're in the valley. And sometimes you need to because sometimes it's because you're stupid, right? You do stupid stuff and I do stupid stuff so we put ourselves in the valley. You know, because God can have, he, he can't have anything to do with sin. And so when we get close to God and we wanna continually sin, then we push ourselves away from God and we put this barrier up and then we fill that valley. But you know, a lot of the times that's not the valley that we're in and, and it's not because God is angry at you but it's just because God's wanting to show you something. Sometimes the greatest lessons come in the valley. You gotta learn to find God on the mountain and in the valley, and you know what? A lot of the times when we get on the mountain, we lose sight of God too. You know, we think that we're really close to God on the mountain because we're feeling God, he's using us, but a lot of times we lose sight of God on the mountain too because we start having some success and we take our eyes off of God because we're doing it, we're doing it, yay! And the stupid thing is is that he was enabling us to do it the whole time, but we got prideful thinking that we were doing it, so he failed, just like Peter on the water. You gotta keep your eyes on God on the mountain and you gotta keep your eyes on God in the valley. It's the only way that you can make it through either one of them. They'll both kill you if you don't. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to, uh, do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he rose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree and he asked that he might die. I want to, now this is just a, little, just a little sidetrack here. When it says there, he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. This is just a little side note, but it adds to what I'm saying. Listen to this. This man was not only on a mountain. You know who all speculate, just about all speculation, all commentaries and, co and commentators that I've read, you know who they say that the servant probably was? The widow's son that he had been used to raise from the dead, who would probably later go on to be Jonah the prophet. You say, why do you bring that up, Brandon? <laughs> because he had just seen 450 prophets slain. He had just seen it rained down after it had not rained from years because he went up onto the mountain and cried out to God and he had the resurrected son of a widow walking around with him. But because of this one woman's promise to hurt him, he ran for his life. Don't believe the lies. Don't be convinced that this world has anything on you because it doesn't. This world has nothing on you, which takes us to the second part, the greatest opportunity to rise is out of the dust. The greatest falls come from the highest heights, but the greatest opportunity to rise comes out of the dust. You see, at the end of the day, I hear people time after time after time say, Brennan, I'm not good enough to come. I'm not, because I, you know, I invite people to church all the time, obviously, and, and all the time I hear, Brandon, I'm not good enough. Brandon, I'm not good enough. Brandon, I'm not good enough. I wish you could realize, and there's some under the sound of my voice right now, that you think that you're not good enough, and, and somebody drug you here today, you drug yourself here today. You need to hear this. You need to hear this. If you think that you're not good enough, then you are in the perfect place to make an incredible difference. You're so many light years ahead of, of so many people that think, oh, God needs me. 
got my suit just right. I got my finances just right. I'm good at my job. I'm, you see, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you feel as if you're not good enough, then brother, you, sister, you are in a prime position to do incredible things. You see, Elijah had just come down off of the mountain, uh, Mount uh, Carmel, and calling down rain, and he comes down and he hears this about Jezebel, and then this is what he did. He said, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. You see, you can believe, he goes on actually to say, he goes on uh, farther in, in, this, in this story to say, God comes to him, he says, what's wrong with you? And Elijah says, God, I've stood for you fervently. I've worked my tail off for you. I've got in the trenches. I've seen some amazing things. But now look at me, God. Now look at what's happened to me. I'm the only one that's left. Everybody in the world's trying to kill me. Everybody in the world's after me. Everybody in the world wants me dead right now. And there's nothing else left for me to do here. I have no purpose. I have no meaning. Take my life away now. You know what all of that was? Lies. Satan is the great deceiver. You see, what we want to say is, I'm not good enough, therefore I can't be used, which is a lie. God has so many plans for you. God has so many expectations that he wants you to fulfill. He has so much potential that he's put inside of you. What do you think? You think you're the only one in the world bad enough that God can't heal? That, you know how arrogant that is? We think that it's, oh, poor, pitiful me, how, how, you know, how terrible I am. God, God could never look at me. But all you're doing, that's not humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. You see, humility is not saying, oh, poor pitiful me. Actually, that's backwards arrogance. That's backdoor arrogance. Because you're looking at God saying, God, I know you're big. God, I know you're strong. Jesus, I know you shed a lot of blood, but you didn't, handle, you didn't shed enough to handle this, old boy. I'm up here. You down there. I know you was a good sacrifice, but you wasn't that good. Ain't that different? What do you think Elijah did? What do you think Elijah did when he, when, he, when he saw 450 prophets murdered by his great God? He saw the fire come down and look up the altar. He saw the, the, the widow receive her son back through the resurrection. He saw the rain fall after years. But he sat down and he had the audacity, the arrogance to look at God and say, God, it's enough. And when I say it's enough, it's enough. Let's end this thing now. He got down in the valley and he took his eyes off of the Lord. He got down in the valley and he took his eyes off of the Lord. Let me tell you something right now. In the valley is when God wants to teach you the most. Don't suffer, family. Don't suffer in vain. Okay, and I've seen it. I've seen these guys right here and. This is, I mean, this is right in line. I've seen you guys learn and grow more in this valley than I've ever seen, not just you, but anybody grow. I've been amazed. Hats off to you. And it, it, it's awful that we have to go through valleys, but we can make the most out of the valleys. And I've seen you do that, and I praise God for that. And people have been saved, and people have been drawn together. What valley are you going through? And how are you walking in that valley? How are you walking in that valley? You see, it said he just leaned up against a, a broom tree and said, it's enough, God. I'm, I'm gonna call the shots, Lord. I'm gonna tell you right now that you can't get me out of this, God. You can't make up for this, God. It's over, it's over. You see, the prophet, he has the, he has the opportunity and he has a responsibility to proclaim the word of God. It is not his right to say when it's over. How many Christians have I ever said, I can't wait till I retire? I hope you mean just from your job because you never retire from the army of the Lord. It's never over until he says it's over and he never says it's over until you're standing in his presence. Till the day that you die, you are a hold the banner of Christ high. It's never over. And you should pray that you never desire for it to be over. You see, carrying the banner of Christ is an amazing opportunity. 
You say, oh, poor pitiful me, I'm no good. Hey, you're in a great, op- you're in a great place. You have a great opportunity to rise because the greatest opportunity to rise is right out of the dust. You can believe all the lies or you can get up. When we think that we have had enough, God is usually just getting started. When we think that we've had enough, God is usually just getting started. You see, I want to point out something here. Now, I told you this, and I don't, I don't know. You go ahead and read behind me. Go ahead and study behind me because I'm, I'm just a man. And uh, I can make mistakes, but I'm telling you right now, I've studied the scriptures up one side and down the other over this one particular doctrine or this one particular thought and I cannot find an instance where the angel of the Lord is not Jesus Christ and I want to show you something here because at Elijah's toughest moment at his lowest of lows at his at his crazy fall now he was on his highest of highs and then he went down and it says that he went into the wilderness a day's journey he probably traveled for miles and miles and miles into the desert and he was all by himself sitting up under one tree and the and the Bible is very specific here in the original language when it says a broom tree that could literally be translated as one tree there was one tree there was one man on one tree in the desert and he thought it was over and he thought it was over now if I were God and I just gave this man the opportunity and blessed him with being a part of such an amazing thing where we slaughtered 450 false prophets, made it rain after years. He was part of this this lady's son and, and all of these things coming together and then this one crazy nut woman says one sentence to him and he turns tail and runs. I'm looking at him going, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? How? I don't get it. I've just, I've supplied you with everything that you need. We just went here and we destroyed all these 450 men and and did all of these things. And and this one woman says one sentence to you and you're gone? What are you doing? What are you doing? You're right in the back of the head. Pow! What are you doing? You moron. You know, that's what I would say. Is that what you would say? Yeah, right. You know you'd cuss. At least Christian cuss words. We won't get into that today. Darn it. Squirrel. I'd say, what are you doing? Moron, you know, you idiot. God doesn't do that. And as a matter of fact, it says that he sent an angel, and then we later find out it's the angel of the Lord, which is? Jesus Christ is the Christophany. This is an appearance of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament before he become incarnate in the New Testament where he came down and took on human flesh. So he comes into the picture and it says, the angel of the Lord came to him and fed him and said, get up. The journey is to get up, let's go, but eat this. Let me minister to you. Let me love on you. Let me pour into you because this journey is too great for you. You don't think God knows that you are poor, pitiful? You don't think God knows that you're a sinner? You don't think God knows that you're human? You don't think God knows that you have lust? You don't think God knows that you have struggles? You don't think God knows that you have sin that you're dealing with? You don't think God knows how how bad your struggle is and how much you want to sin, but you don't want to sin and you don't, you want to go here and you want to go here and you don't want to go here and you don't want to go here and, and ah! you don't think God knows that you don't think God's big enough to handle that we think that the oh ye of little faith only applies to getting out of boats in the middle of the ocean but sometimes oh ye of little faith applies to getting out of the bed in the morning and doing what you're supposed to do that day Sometimes, oh, you have little faith, I was talking to myself here, is making that one decision, that one decision. You've got that one decision that's right there, and you can pick that thing up, or you can go to that place, or you can go to that thought, or you can click that website, or you can do that, and, and you're saying, God, this sin's too much for you. God, this struggle, it might not even be a sin. It might just be a struggle. It might just be a weight, something that's pressing down on you, something that you need to give to the Lord. Maybe it's something that you're harboring against somebody. Maybe it's, and, and you're saying, God, this is too big for you. I've got to carry this burden because I'm the only one big enough to carry it. And God is saying, okay, I'll just have to wait till you break under the weight of that load. Then I'll pick you up, I guess. 
You see, we can stand up under that weight and that load trying to hold that thing all day long until it finally crushes us, and it's going to crush you. It's just a matter of time. You see, you're going to get old and frail. Every, everybody here is dying. It's coming for you. Everything that you know is breaking. Everything that you know is, is corrupt. It's going to go away. And you can rely on yourself and you can try to hold that load until you crumble and maybe you'll have time, maybe you'll have the opportunity to give it to the Lord then, maybe, I don't know. Or you can just hand it to him now and say, God, and you be honest with the Lord. When I came to the Lord, man, you know, I'm a sinner now, but, you know, I had some things I was dealing with. And so it was so hard for me to even come to him because what Wesley said earlier was right. You know, we... We think, Lord, we're so dirty, I could never come. But that's the specialty. You know, you wouldn't take a clean car over to Michael and let him clean it up, would you? No. It's not the well who need a doctor, but the sick. You see, he's just waiting on you to bring that huge load. He's just waiting on you to bring that trial. He's just waiting on you to bring that. He's just waiting on the moment when you crumble. And you can crumble willingly or you can crumble unwillingly. You see, Elijah, crum Elijah crumbled in the wilderness and he crawled up under the tree and he said, this is too much for me, it's enough. But at that very moment, at that very moment, we see Jesus Christ saying, I got you. You see, I would have smacked him upside the head. <laughs> Sometimes I, that's my, one of my struggles. You know, I'm not the most compassionate guy in the world, which makes my job as a pastor kind of tough Sometimes. <laughs> Because I'm a preacher, teacher, you know, if I got somebody sitting across from me and there, don't, you, you can come and talk to me, okay, I'm not going. But if I got somebody sitting across from me, I've had this happen before, and I think I've told you this before, I, and it happens with me and my sons all the time. Like, see, I feel like that if my son falls, if I just don't, if I act like I don't see it, he won't be hurt. And it does work sometimes. Because if he falls, and he, and he turns and he looks, and he sees me looking, he wasn't crying, but as soon as he see me looking, he was like, ah! <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if I just turn my head and I act like I don't see him, then he'd just get up and go about his business. I ne he, it never even happened. But sometimes that can go too far. And he can fall out. Yesterday, my youngest Asher fell, and I mean, it was a knot this high on his head. <laughs> and I'm like, Heather's going, I said, just ignore him. <laughs> And then I seen the knot. I was like, no, just get it on. Just ignore it. It'll go away. That's not, it's not going away. God is not ignoring you. God is, God is there for you. As soon as you fall, he's coming. He's right there. He's going to minister to you. He's going to love you. He's going to be, you see, Elijah had poured it all out. And this last, before we get to the last, and the band can actually come on up. You see, being empty is not necessarily bad. The question is, how did you get empty and what were you full of? How did you get empty and what were you full of? You see, the thing about being up here on top of the mountain is, it's like you get your cup filled up. So many of you walking around wondering why you stay in the valley for such long periods of time. And see, being in the valley, sometimes it's because we've just poured ourselves out. We've just poured ourselves out. We've given everything that we could, and we are waiting for Jesus to come and minister to us, to pick us up by the head. You see, we might have would have smacked him. We might have we would have ignored him. We might have said, what are you doing, you idiot? Look at all that you just did. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus came to him, and he, and he stoops down beside of him, and he picks him up, and he says, I got you, brother. And he, and he gives him the food. He feeds him. He nourishes him. I posted something on Facebook a while back, and I had seen this from something else, so I stole it. But it says the church is, is, is the only organization in the world that, is, that shoots its wounded first. So oftentimes, we have, we have people that come. Have you ever experienced this? I know some of you have because I know that I have. Sometimes we, we, we look at people who are coming in the church, and we go, oh, what are they doing here? If I ever see you doing that in here, I will make you leave. And I wouldn't just being funny. I've got some big guys in here. I will get them to escort you out. Because at the end of the day, who are you? Who am I? Who are we that, that God would be mindful of us? And since when? 
Since when do we expect the world to live like saints? Now, I know that there's a whole other realm, and your Christian brother is a different story. We, need to, we don't need to uh, judge him wrongly or cast him down or shoot him while he's down, but we do need to hold each other accountable. But at the end of the day, we need to do so in love, and we need to go, and we need to lift each other up and pour into one another and be there for one another and, 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 and just be Jesus to one another. And we see Jesus here, this man who just took an extremely hard fall. We see him come alongside of him and say, hey, man, I got you. I got you, brother. And you know what? I know that the journey that you're about to go on is too much for you. That's why I'm going to go with you. The last point, and really the one that matters the most, is that the greatest God had the greatest fall and the greatest rising. I've shown you the truth of the Bible that Elijah was a man like you and I who had a call in his life from God and he was filled up with God, he was filled up with power and he had a special call in his life. Brother, you know you got a special call? I don't know if you know that or not. You know you do? You know you got a special call? I can point to every single one of you in this room and I'm telling you right now, brother, you got a special call on your life. I know that some of you think that you're no good and God can't use you, but that's a lie from the devil. And it's a lie that will rob you of the joy that God intended for you to have. It will rob you of the peace and the tranquility and the wonderful earth-moving faith that God desires for you to have. You have a purpose. And your purpose is to not have a wonderfully peaceful, cheerful life all the time, but it's to remember God in the highest mountains and the lowest valleys. It's to trust him with the things that you need in your life. It's to trust him with the struggles that you have that you can't overcome on your own. It's to trust him when you're young, okay? Young men of God. It's to trust him that he knows best even though the world is screaming at you to go another way. It's to trust him with a relationship that might seem broken and can't be fixed, but God can fix it. It's to trust him with the, with the soul that might be weary and, and, and ready to fall over and break down. It's to trust him and say, here you go, God. You see, just like Elijah, you got a call on your life. And now the question is, will you fulfill that call? Will you go or will you not? Will you stand still and believe the lies and say, God, I can't, I can't be fixed. God, I can't do it. I can't go. I can't do this. I can't, I can't, I can't. Or will you rise out of the dust? And you see, I could say all of these things and paint a pretty picture of Elijah on the mountain and falling into the valley and Jesus coming alongside of him, picking his head up and saying, I'll feed you, brother. And I could tell you, say, you hang in there and you trust and you have faith and you grit and you determine to make sure you read your Bible. And all of those things are good. But let me tell you something. All of that is powerless. All of that is waste. All of that is in vain if you don't see the one man that all of this is pointing to. You see, Elijah was a type of Christ. You see, there was another man that would come. There was another man that would come that would come off of great heights and he would come into the city and they would lay out the palm branches and the leaves and they would say, Hosanna, Hosanna. And they would, they would wave, they would ride in as a king and they would, they would wave their hands and and then it wasn't a couple of days later that this man was in the barren wilderness by himself, leaned up on a tree. This same man was, would be in the garden of Gethsemane and he would say, God, is it not enough? As he sweat great drops of blood, he'd say, Lord, is there another, Father, is there another way? Can this be enough? Can this be enough? But he followed his prayer with, but not my will, but yours be done. You see, you can't will this. You can't grit, you can't determine, you can't go to this mountain and conquer this mountain. You've got to bow down to the man that climbed the mountain. Elijah was just a forerunner to the great Christ. Elijah was, was the one who laid up against a tree and was ministered to. Jesus Christ was nailed to a tree so that he could minister to you. 
Elijah cried, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. But it was a lie because God told him in the next few verses that he had 7,000 other men. But Jesus Christ was really the only one. The only one. And when I say the only one, I mean the only one because even his father forsook him for you. And as Jesus Christ was leaned on the one tree, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus Christ was the one that went up on the mountain and then he came down into the valley and then he rose from the grave to go back up on the mountain. He's telling you now, you will go up and you will go down, you will go up, you will go down. And one day you will go down into the ground, into the grave, and it will be your last valley. It will be your last valley. But if you know Jesus Christ, if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, then you will come out of that valley and you will sit on the mountain for all of eternity. There is no more valleys. There is no more tears. There is no more sorrow and there is no more pain. No more valleys. Wesley, I know we're in valleys all the time. Wesley and I talk about this because we're supposed to be the leaders in the church. And Wesley will call me and he's in a valley. And I know he's in a valley because the way his voice sounds. I'll call him and say, oh. <laughs> and I'll say, you in a valley, brother? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll talk about his valley and uh, the Lord will lift him out of it. And then he'll call me and I'm more like, leaders for our own mountains and valleys. Man, I hate the mountains. I hate the fact that I go up and down. I wish I was just on point for Jesus all the time. And for those of you who are sitting in the room thinking you're not good enough, please hear the man standing on the stage talking. I'm not either. There's nothing, there's no difference between me and you. I just have this job and you have another job. I mean, I, I, I fight to read my Bible every day. I fight to be a good man. I fight to be a good husband. I fight to be a good daddy. And sometimes I just suck. I say, I'm not supposed to say that. Really. That's all right. It's the will. But I mean, it's, it's true, though. You know, I probably shouldn't have said that. It's true, though. Sometimes I'm not a very good daddy. Sometimes I'm not a very... But you know what? God has secured my victory. Thank God I can't lose it and gain it every other day. Thank God that there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God. Thank God that there's nothing that can pluck me out of his hand. Thank God that there's no way that I can lose my Jesus. You know why? Because my Jesus will never lose me. You know, if it was left to me, I would just walk away because I'm stupid like Elijah. But I love that picture, and we'll draw it to a close. I love that picture in, in the gospel where Jesus says, all that, all that the Father has given to me, they will come to me, and, and of all the ones that he has given me, I will lose none. You see, I'm a picture kind of guy. And you know what I picture? I picture Revelation 19, Jesus, who's all clack, 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 you know. And he's, he's all ripped up, and he's got a tattoo on his thigh. Go read it. Lord of lords, king of kings. And he's got, a, got it on his robe. And he's got us in his hand. And he's looking at the enemy going, come on. Come get him. You see, Elijah stood on the mountain. And he said, what? Bring it. And he fell. He did what God called him to do, but he fell. You see, Jesus is a greater Elijah that stands on the mountain and says, bring it. But he will never fall. Who do you know wears a white robe to a fight? That's a bad man. All right? I'm telling you right now. All of you that like UFC, I think Charles Kenny, with all them scars on his head, I know he's done some UFC type fight. Jesus Christ is the ultimate fighter. He will never lose. He will never fall. He will never let you go, and you ain't got to worry about a thing. You ain't got to worry about a thing. Got you. Now, with all of that being said, I want us to rise to our feet. There's some of you young men in here that you need to give your life to Jesus Christ and you need to do it right now. I want all of y'all to come down here. 
It may be a salvation. It may be a rededication. Come on. Uh, I want y'all to come down here now. There may be some young ladies in the room too, some, some, some middle-aged ladies, some middle-aged men. You need to give your lives back to Christ. Maybe it's just you just need to pray and you need to ask God, God, what have I done to get outside of your will? What have I done to, to, to feel this way right now? Because I need to be changed in this instant. I need to be given power. I need to be, I mean, I need to be more like Jesus. Lord, I know I'm going on mountains. I know I'm going in the valleys, but I want to be in the mountain with you. I want to be in the valley with you. Which of you in here would say, I want more of Jesus today? There comes one guy down right there. Look, I don't want to mince words with you. Young men of God, come down here. Let's get on our face. There's one right there. And now, look, don't let your pride get in the way. Come on down here. Even those of you who know Christ, I want you to get on your knees today. I want you to ask God to lift you up, to give you strength to walk through those valleys. Come on down. Come on down, some of you ladies too. Pray over these guys. Pray over these young men. Pray over these people because I want supernatural action in my life. What do you want? And you know, we're not going to have that unless we seek God, unless we get on our face, unless we get on our knees and we say, God, the world's coming at me every different way. Everything's, everything is fighting against me. Everything is warring against me. And if I don't have you, I don't have anything. If I don't have your supernatural spirit conquering this natural demons in my life, then I'm not going to be able to do anything. And so we need Jesus. One more final call. If you want to come down and get on your knees with these, we're going to pray right here. We're going to pray over these, these young men. We're going to pray over these young women. We're going to pray over everyone that's down here because I'm taking this as a signal that you want more Jesus. You want to stand on those mountains with your hands held high because Jesus Christ was who he is. You want to stand up with your head held high in the valley because Jesus never changes. The same God on the mountain is the same God in the valley. One final call. Come on. It's okay. Nobody's going to look down on you. Remember, I told you, if they look down on you, let me know. I'll make them leave. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Help us, God, from thinking that we are too good. Help us, God, from thinking that we are too bad. Help us, God, for not trusting you to make us exactly who you wanted us to be. Please, Jesus, wash over us. Wash over us with the Holy Spirit. Change us into the men that you want us to be. Please, God, change us into the women that you want us to be. Please, God, help us, please, to be better mommies. Please help us to be better daddies. I pray, I pray God, that you would send the Holy Spirit in a supernatural way to change these hearts this morning, to overwhelm these hands this morning, to overwhelm every mind and every thought in these heads, in these hands, that they would be the men and women of God that you have called them to be. I believe, Jesus, that you are going to do a supernatural work today and that you are going to lift them up out of this valley. God, I know that there are those standing in the congregation that didn't come down here and they need you today. I pray, God, that you would not be held back, that you would not be be hushed or silenced that you would be magnified and glorified in every heart and in every soul Jesus 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 is our cry today because apart from you there is no other way please God keep this on our minds tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next Help us, God, to go out of our way to love on somebody. Help us to go out of our way to get to know you better. Help us to go out of the way to give, to love, to nurture. Lord, to minister to those who are hurting around us. We need you, Jesus, because if you leave us to ourselves, then we are bound for destruction. But you are the God that saves and never lets go. And we thank you for that today. I pray it all in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. We're going to have one more song and we'll worship and we'll give God one more cry. If you want to come to the altar, this altar is still open. The altar is still open.